Welcome to Startup Stories, where we go behind the scenes of some of the most interesting and innovative tech startups in the world. Each episode will bring you in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs and business leaders, sharing their personal stories on success, failure, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur yourself or someone that's just generally interested in the world of startups, then Startup Stories is the perfect place for you to gain insight and inspiration into some of the most exciting players in the game. So sit back, relax, and join us on a journey of Startup Stories. Hi, Natalia. Great to have you here at the Startup Stories podcast. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So for the listeners, can you give a brief introduction into who you are? Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. I'm Natalia. I'm talking to you from Paris, France, and I'm COO of Double Cloud, which is a startup. I think we'll touch a little bit uh, about it. Thank you very much. So as you mentioned, you're the COO of Double Cloud and you've you had a very fast growth in a very short space of time. But what I want to understand is what got you here. So from its earliest possible context, take me back to your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was life like for you? Yeah, so it's, it's a good question. So by origin, I'm from Belarus, but it's been ages I left the country. And for the last 11 years, I'm living here in France. I'm always joking that I'm adopted French. I built my life here and I really love this country. And, you know, every country has its own set of uh, values. And the values of France are very, very close to what I consider to be good and bad. So that's why I'm really happy here. I always saying that also I'm a citizen of the world. So I've been working for different companies in my life and um, they were American companies, they were non-American companies and I was covering very different regions in my life as well. So touching these cultures, understanding the rules of business in different uh, corners of the world. So um, I grew up in Soviet Union and then I moved to something very different. So that's a story in a very nutshell. <laughs> so you, you, as you say, you're from Belarus and you moved to France. You've been in France for the last 11 years. Is that, is that what yes, you said? Yes, correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about the transition then, you know, when you moved from Belarus, why did the transition happen and how did that happen? Well, the transition obviously was not uh, immediate. When I was young, between my 20 and 30 years old, I was lucky to actually live in different places in the world after I left uh, Belarus. So I spent some time in Moscow and Moscow and Belarus were two different worlds at that time. It, it was like, I don't know, if you're coming from some uh, village or, you know, really Soviet Union to, to something very, very developed. This is how I perceived that at that time. Then I lived for one year in Bangkok, Thailand, discovering the Asian world. I've spent some time also in the Middle East, just, uh, you know, I had, I had a chance of doing this so that I enjoy discovering that culture. And then I really decided to move to, I was working for Microsoft and one of the uh, key kind of advantages of corporations like that is that you have a choice to actually choose the country where you would love to work and where you would love to, you know, develop as a next step of your career. So so, and with Microsoft, I was applying to different jobs in US, UK, Ireland, and France because I used to speak French. And the best offer came from France, and this is how I moved to France. And uh, this was 11 years ago. Seems like you've taken a lot of risks, you know, to move around the world in different places. Not many people would do such a thing for a career. So, that in itself is admirable. Do you have anyone in your life that had a particular impact on who you are today? 
And not anyone, obviously, there are different people you, you meet at different stage uh, of your life. And uh, depending on who you are at that time and what triggers you and what frustration points you have, specific people will have a specific impact on you. So just to give you an example, during my time when I was living in Bangkok, I, I met a person who actually moved from UK to Vietnam and opened a pretty uh, known chain of schools of English language and uh, we've been talking at length with this person about the business about how you can do things and so on and so forth and he kind of opened uh, totally my eyes on how you can actually perceive the world it's basically not uh, the circumstances that impact you but it's you who can choose what you do and how you can actually proceed with your pursuing your dreams you know as an example this person when they were opening uh, schools in Vietnam they had the legislations kind of limitations and I said okay what did you do and he said we were waiting it took us four years to wait but we we got there and when we got there we were successful and I'm like wow that's amazing you know sometimes you just have this goal in front of you and you're being patient to get there and you get there and that impacted a lot uh, for example in, in my next choices when I, I started for example within Microsoft moving to other countries I, I actually I really was patient I was just patiently you know applying for the jobs talking to people and looking for what would be my next uh, career move uh, within the dream I wanted to pursue. You know, that's uh, speaking about people and their impact on our lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a look at your career on LinkedIn and it looks though, as though you've been in a lot of leadership roles your entire career. Tell me, why have you always been attracted to these types of positions? It's a good question and I think it's it's good because it's actually, it actually touches the uh, uh, intrinsic motivation we all have. For me personally, uh, it's been a while I actually answered my question. You know, my intrinsic motivation for doing lots of things that I'm doing is frustration actually. <laughs> it sounds pretty <laughs> negative, but it's the reality. So when I'm being frustrated, I'm actually looking for better ways to, to do things or to live and so on and so forth. So uh, originally trying to achieve a leadership position was also a frustration sort of story. I really, being a junior position, I really wanted to be independent and I really wanted uh, to be at the place where it's me who decides uh, what to do and how to do and get the results I can uh, influence versus somebody else talks to, to me, gets me things done that somebody else is actually thinking, you know, as important. And maybe it's an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who's actually, who died at me. <laughs> I should have been an entrepreneur from the very beginning, but I never, I never did this. So they, I pursued the career of working for, for some companies. So, but uh, this intrinsic motivation, frustration, having frustration, you're moving to a better kind of set of things. That's how I ended up in leadership positions. And then a new one actually added here. It's extremely interesting, you know, and yes, it's hard. As sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes you, you're going through unpopular decisions. Uh, you must decide for somebody else and so on. But if you compare what you're doing actually and what you're receiving at these jobs as a result versus what you could do in different jobs, you know, for me, it's the best uh, leadership uh, roles and leadership jobs is the, uh, the best ever. It's the most interesting and every day is extremely interesting. Yeah, it sounds like you're an individual that likes to lead rather than be led, almost like a sixth sense to do better. Does that come from anywhere, like this frustration to think of new solutions and improve the situation? Where does that come from? It's a good question. I have no idea. And actually, I'm actually thinking a lot about this because I've, I have a son who is uh, pretty young 
And I'm, I'm asking myself regularly as a mother, you know, how can I give him this uh, whole desire to go after after things? But then I still don't have an answer where it came from. Maybe it's just, I don't know, genetics. <laughs> I was told that my grand-grandfather was uh, some sort of great general of the army. I don't know. I have no clue if it's true or not. But uh, <laughs> uh, this something comforts me uh, saying, okay, maybe th this is why I cannot sit still and I always pursue something, you know. So, you know. But no, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to, to, to answer. Yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating. It's always nice to know to be able to pin it somewhere where it comes from. Because ultimately it does come from somewhere. But sometimes, as you say, it's just really hard to know where. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Okay. So tell me about your career path that led you to becoming the COO of Double Cloud. When I left uh, Belarus and I moved to Moscow at that time, I was uh, pretty much influenced by certain books that were talking about marketing and advertising world. And these books uh, impressed me so much that I said, okay, marketing is the best uh, place to be. And what I want to do, I want to work for an advertising firm. I was extremely young at that time. I was 20 years old. And to be honest, I had zero understanding what would be, for example, the difference between a marketing and a manager. For me, it was the same words. <laughs> and uh, I still managed to find a job as a secretary at advertising agency. And this is how I actually started discovering the uh, whole business world. And then, uh, you know, I was always focusing, I was always interested in doing something new. And when there was a pointed time when some investors approached uh, and they said, listen, we are about to launch applications for Palm and Pocket uh, devices. We are a team of developers and we actually want to, to develop the world, the market of uh, the US and the market of Germany and UK. Would you be interested to join and build a go-to-market strategy? And they had no clue about technologies. I didn't have a Palm or Pocket PC at that time. I just had a phone, Motorola phone. <laughs> I still said, well, this is something interesting. Why wouldn't I? I take a risk and go go after that. And I spent quite some time in this startup. We were trying a lot of things and uh, with all the, almost zero budgets managed to, to be quite a leader in this uh, sort of applications for these devices. And uh, this is how I started the whole career, basically, in the technological world. After that, I got into Microsoft. Uh, I spent 10 years in Microsoft, uh, did different things. Kind of major was, uh, you know, I was part of the team who was launching Microsoft Azure here in France 11 years ago. And it was also a pretty fun time because this was the time when Microsoft was still under Steve Ballmer's uh, guidance and direction. And Steve Ballmer was the person who really believed in Windows and he wanted to protect the ecosystem by any means. So Microsoft Azure, the cloud, which is actually the major business of Microsoft today, at that time was still called Windows Azure. And uh, nobody really uh, here in France understood, uh, you know, okay, we have this product. What are we going to do with that? How are we going to sell it? So who actually needs it? And so on and so forth. So it was also very entrepreneurial, very interesting. And then another thing I was focusing on is uh, Office 365 business for Microsoft, where you actually needed to um, change the uh, previous, you know, it was a Cash and uh, it was a cash cow business for Microsoft and you need to switch from previous business model to a new business model and it was also extremely interesting and I was doing this for the whole Western European uh, region but that was also the time when I got tired of corporations a little bit so and I was uh, a little bit in a crisis if you wish so I actually um, I was admitted into INSEAD which is one of the top business schools in the world and I was bursting there my global executive MBA and after that uh, 
I, I, like one year after uh, the program, I realized that actually I'm done with corporations, so, you know, and I want to be back into the startup land and uh, just, uh, you know, building something from scratch. So this is how I moved uh, from Microsoft to Databricks. I was third person on the ground here in uh, South EMEA, landing first partnerships, first deals through partners doing like proper business development work. It was very, very interesting. After that, you know, I joined Splunk, another great data company that acquired a, a startup and did quite a lot of R&D in the observability space. And basically they were looking for somebody who would develop their business uh, in observability for this newly acquired startup, which uh, I was doing uh, for, for some time. So I built the team and uh, built uh, the business from zero to several millions of AOR. And this is basically when the opportunity of Double Cloud uh, knocked on my door. And I was always joking uh, prior to that, you know, in my life I've been doing marketing, business development, partnerships, uh, you know, I've been doing sales, direct sales roles and so on. So it looks like my next role should be a CRO or something similar in an early stage startup where I can actually develop a very cool technology that I believe in. And usually when you're saying this, it means that you also need to go to Silicon Valley. And I didn't want to move to Silicon Valley. I love being here in Europe and I love uh, being here in France. So when Double Cloud actually knocked on my door, I said, okay, this, this is it. I believe in the development team. I believe in the products uh, that they are building. So maybe that's the opportunity actually I need to, to go after. And this is how I joined Double Cloud. Perfect. So Double Cloud were founded in 2022. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. There was some uh, MVP that existed prior that uh, development team created, but uh, the uh, Double Cloud for example, website and the double cloud name got registered in 2020, in October 2021. So almost, uh, so I joined in January 2022. Okay, cool. So when they sort of they became official and they were out in the public, how soon after did you come into the picture exactly? I was the third business person, you know, there was only development team. Uh, there was somebody who's uh, currently leading our product who joined prior me and uh, HR and basically that's it. Okay. And, you know, of course, Double Cloud have had a, a really fast launch in terms of their growth rate. What's the story behind that? I mean, not many companies are able to just accelerate their headcount that quickly in, in a very short space of time. It's a good question. The question is in terms of what's behind this and, you know, how it's possible. So we are a product company. And in today's world, especially if you're in a data world, the real competition is happening on two fronts. Uh, number one is product. You know, it's been 10 years, uh, even a little bit more since companies are actively purchasing the data products and the promises that the data companies are bringing uh, to them. So right now, the uh, migration or adoption of new technologies is possible only if it's addressing some very specific use cases and uh, much better than uh, incumbent tools, you know. And that's why as a product, you must be superior to other things and you must address something in a fantastic way. So and this is why we have a pretty extensive R&D team. So our development is about 40 people, which is pretty good for an early stage uh, startup. Yeah, and products we are building, they are great. And basically, just as a reminder, maybe for to the listeners, uh, Double Cloud is a platform where you can build your data pipeline and your data analytics with managed open source technologies. And this covers the whole use case from uh, uh, ETL to visualization. And we have several promises that we always deliver on. Uh, one of the promises, obviously, uh, it's what we are calling sub-second analytics. So you don't, you're in the world where real-time or near real-time analytics is a new uh, must. And this is something that we are delivering. And second, it's 
managed open source technologies like uh, ClickHouse, Kafka, Soon, uh, Apache Airflow, uh, and so on. So things that there are quite a lot of uh, proprietary technologies out there, and uh, we believe in open source and uh, the intelligence that behind it. So and that's what uh, we do with the Double Cloud. So now back to your question on growth. Yes. Yeah, so as a result, you know the product must be great. You know, and to, to do a great product, you need a great team of development, and we have around 40 developers on the team. And then uh, the question is, how can you hire so fast people within, you know, one year? And that's a whole different subject. It's, it's extremely hard and uh, you need to be extremely smart uh, in, in terms of what you're doing. And what is your res- main responsibilities as the COO now then? So I'm responsible. I'm always joking. I'm responsible for how to earn and how to spend money. So basically, under myself, there are all revenue generating functions like uh, marketing, sales, uh, support, customer success and uh, operations. So basically everything that helps the business uh, operate. And my peers would be a a CTO, a person who's responsible for development, and our head of product who is actually uh, uh, deciding what we're building, you know, where we're heading to. Okay, so it sounds like, you know, there's obviously big plans with Double Cloud. I can see that from afar. What would you say is the most difficult thing about your role? I think the most difficult thing is that you're living just overall being in a startup and leading a startup, especially an early stage startup. It means that you are living in a highly uncertain world. And the level of uncertainty is is such that it's Overall, it's not for everybody. Uncertainty means that quite often you're not even at the stage when you know, okay, this is what will work. I just need to apply the right efforts to make it work. The level of uncertainty is that sometimes you have no clue what's working. And as a result, you're receiving quite a lot of negative feedback from the market before you're finding out actually what's working is this. And uh, it's hard. So it's hard for the teams. It's hard for the leader because, uh, you know, again, you need to test fast you need to you know get the feedback from the market fast but still even if it's negative feedback for some time you still need to be courageous enough to go forward and to continue pursuing the the goals and that's one of the most difficult things i think in my current job Mm -hmm. and what's been the toughest part of your journey so far then the toughest uh, as a consequence the toughest would be okay if you're in this uncertain world and you're trying to build the business and uh, building the business is hard but you need to uh, have uh, uh, great people with you on board. It's not the C-level that shapes the organization. It's great hires, basically, uh, that shape the organization. And great people will change everything. And that's the challenge, because, again, how to know in advance who to hire, right? So I think we found our own answers, you know, and it might be very different for every startup. So we tried quite a lot of things our, uh, ourselves. doesn't matter what how high you are in the organization. You did quite a lot of things yourself and you're pretty hands-on and then you understand who would be the right person for this role what the challenges that the person will see and then what is the right profile and then you're just searching for this right profile but it also it took some time to get to this and we made hiring mistakes and there were people who should never be a part of the startup uh, who joined us and who left uh, because again it's hard and it's not for everybody but yeah hiring the right people is always a big challenge and I'm always amazed you know we have amazing people on board I'm always amazed you know how they maybe abandoned their predictable jobs from the past and moved to early stage startup like Double Cloud. But people are really the same as me. They believe in the idea, they believe in the product and they're really there to make it to the next level. 
Yeah, that's the most important thing. And I believe the answer you gave me is a, seems to be a common theme with the people that I've spoken to over the last few weeks. It's it's always the hiring. It's it's very much a make or break. As you say, they are the business, not the people at sea level. Uh, I 100% agree with you on that. So yeah, it's really interesting. So, okay, well, uh, sort of elaborating on that then, what are the key things that you have to get right in 2023 for this year to be a success for Double Cloud? This year is the year where we are passing through a product market fit stage. It means that, you know, we know very well what are the use cases we are addressing, why people are using us in different companies, what are the companies are using us and so on and so forth. But the product market fit in itself is, is a journey that takes uh, not one month or one year. It's a journey usually of two years. And this is where we are the second year of, of passing the product market fit. So the key for us, we have a team. It's a great team. And, uh, you know, as a startup, we are now uh, scaling, basically building the business around, uh, uh, around the t- with the team around the product. And uh, this year should be about uh, proving that uh, we are in a real product market fit. And there are KPIs we are pursuing that proves that, okay, that's, that's it. And uh, uh, there are also ambitious kind of goals of how we want to develop the product uh, further, considering, for example, new kind of changes in the world of technologies, uh, new opportunities that are out there, new business needs for different, from different companies, the current crisis that we're seeing and so on and so forth. So the development team is going into addressing these challenges and uh, building the product, even making the product even better. And uh, the go-to-market team is uh, uh, proving that there is a real product market fit. So, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people listening here that are now really excited to follow the journey, the unknown, as you said before. So what are the, the long-term goals and plans of Double Cloud? How far do you want to take this company? Yeah, it's a good question. I really, I really, so I won't talk in terms of valuations and so on, because things are, you know, we've, we've witnessed all of us, uh, the bubble that, uh, that uh, bursted recently. But what I really dream is to build a company that's, uh, you know, one of the most uh, popular platforms out there for closing the most data use cases with managed open source technologies. And there won't be many platforms like this. It's uh, lots of years of development to get there. And Double Cloud has a chance to be one of that. So that's basically what we're pursuing right now. Okay. And from a personal standpoint, I'm really intrigued, Natalia, to know why you do, you personally, why you do what you do. You know, you've, you've been successful at Microsoft and Splunk and many of these other companies. Why do you still, to this very day, still have the same energy, the same passion to do what you do? I don't know. It's interesting. You know, it's really, really, really interesting. There is lots of adrenaline. <laughs> there is a huge intellectual pleasure. You know, you in a startup, especially in a fast-paced startup like ours, your learning curve is huge. So, you know, it's extremely refreshing, basically. If you're talking to a startup uh, of, a, you know, of a growing, to a growing startup, to a city of a growing startup, you cannot... Uh, bring your slides and tell some perfect pitch because nobody will believe you. So it means that you need to actually have a real conversation with the CTO about the real problems that are important uh, for, 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 for this person. And the CTO, so I used to sell in the past into huge enterprises. So the CTO of a huge enterprise is very, very different person from a CTO of a growing startup or a growing scale-up. So as a result, the level of discussions you have is extremely technical but still business-oriented 
And it's very different, you know. So uh, the learning curve is amazing and it's very refreshing because all startups are moving extremely fast. Sometimes for them, it's a question of survival, you know. So they need to move fast. They need to be to the point and you must be to the point with them. And that's that's extremely interesting. And then uh, as a CEO, I'm touching obviously different things, different aspects. So it's not just one tiny thing that I'm doing over and over and over again. Every day, something different. So today we're talking about product, uh, uh, product vision, how we validate certain hypotheses and uh, how we get to you know business value that we can bring with our product to the customers and and tomorrow i'm all hands down in support and trying to understand how to optimize the process working there so it's just interesting it changes every day and it's extremely interesting so and i think that's what drives me you know doing something that's intellectually motivating uh, refreshing creates new challenges and you're, you're constantly in building something something big so yeah, I love that. I mean, the key takeaway that I got from that was that even in the position you are now, you you never stop learning. The key here is that you haven't got complacent and, uh, you know, you can never stop learning. And uh, that's what I've really took from that. So, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Well, I'm Natalia, I'm really looking forward to following the journey of Double Cloud and seeing the journey from afar and where you take it. I'm sure we'll keep in touch to notify the progress and stuff like that. So, Natalia, thank you for joining me on the Startup Stories podcast. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks a lot, Jordan. That was a pleasure. Thanks for your invitation. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Startup Stories. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our guests and learning more about their journey in the startup world. I'll be back soon with another exciting episode featuring a new guest. So make sure to subscribe to Startup Stories so you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media for updates and additional content. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to me. And as always, I appreciate your support and feedback. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.